This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is June the 3rd, 2021. Strong hand, long term thinking. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Don't FOMO on alts. Offended by selling. Be a unique beast. Fitting in is overrated, and I'm bringing you three freaking unique beasts. I bring you the best guest in the space every Friday, but it's Thursday because tomorrow Friday is Miami on fire, the Bitcoin conference. I'm going to be at it. Maybe I'll do some live shows from it. I'm going to interview some interesting people. Um, but now we got three guys on the show who won't be there, but they are awesome. And one of them you haven't seen for, well, one of them you've never seen before on my show. Uh, one of them you haven't seen for a while. And Brian Jackatool, you've seen him quite often. So welcome, Brian. Phil Coin Icarus is on, right? He's in the house. I was on his podcast recently, which was also on my podcast. For those of you who are not addicted to my pretty face and can actually watch and listen to the freaking podcast at sportsmeister.com, you're familiar with Phil I recommend for all 20 percenters out there to listen to that show. You don't need to see our pretty faces, but maybe you need to see Gabriel D. Vine's pretty face because it's been a long freaking time. That, but that he's been, it's been a while since the summer, baby. You have made your return and people want to hear all about what's going on way beyond Bitcoin type of stuff, but they're not going to hear all that stuff from you because it can only be an hour show. And we can't talk about all the current events of the world and you know, all that stuff. So follow all these dudes on Twitter. They are linked to below. So since I'm obviously really happy about this Miami Bitcoin conference, the biggest freaking Bitcoin event in the history of mankind um, so far, and there'll be bigger ones in the future. I want to start it off on a, uh, on a positive note here uh, with Russell Oaken, okay? The, the, the guy who is a football player who is a huge fan of Bitcoin, and he has bought a billboard where he tells Elon Musk to stick to space. And those of us who are going to be at the conference tomorrow are going to see this billboard. And it is promoting Russell's organization called Bitcoin Is, which is it's, it's an educational campaign. And here it's linked to below. The billboards are meant to provide a gentle reminder to the public that Musk has been around Bitcoin for only a few months and is not an authority in this domain. Now, why am, why am I bringing all this up? Well, first of all, it deals with Miami. He, it also deals with a guy who's famous, who is reaching out to normies, and a guy who is politely telling Elon, you know, be careful. And he's, we're not pedestaling Elon here, I, but I, I, wanted to, I, I wanted to give everybody a forum. So if they wanted to bring up Elon, they could. So, Brian, what do you think about, uh, about this billboard and about what Russ is trying to do and uh, if Elon even matters? Uh, yeah, good to be back. Um, it's it's funny because actually right before I, we, we got in this chat room, uh, I saw Elon tweeted something like uh, Bitcoin broken heart uh, hashtag. I don't know. He always speaks in code, but he basically said Bitcoin broken heart. So I don't know if that means he's leaving or whatever. Uh, but I mean, I don't personally care what his plans are with uh, Bitcoin. I just think the the billboard from Okung though or Okung. Um, is a really nice, you know, just a really nice juxtaposition between like one person who comes at it and says, hey, I'm new to Bitcoin and I'm here to learn. And then you got guys like Elon Musk who are like, I'm new to Bitcoin and I'm here to fix it. And 
you know, we don't need any of the latter and we need tons more of the former and having Russell come out and do this, I think was a great thing. And it's nice, you know, he's got some stature, he's got some clout. So it's good to have him standing up to Elon. Cause when I do it on Twitter and I just say, don't let the door hit you on the way out. You know, I don't think anybody really sees it, but it's good to see this on a billboard, you know, uh, three stories above Miami during the conference. Uh, interesting. You just said that Elon uh, tweeted something out only moments ago, was it? Yeah, it was probably about 10 minutes ago. Well, what coincidentally, the price dropped, what, $1,000 at this thing? These normies, I mean, when are they going to get used to this? When are they going to get used to famous people saying bad things about Bitcoin? I mean, it is history repeating itself. History repeating itself. All right, uh, and we're, we're going to get into that, guys. Um, well, anyway, no, uh, before we get to Gabriel Devine here, um, what do you think about that, uh, about history repeating itself here, um, Brian, that people still panic when these guys talk? I mean, I, I think it's just a reflection of, you know, we always want to see, and I feel like most people in the, in the Bitcoin space always want to see new normies come in, new, new, new blood come in, and, and the cycles, the having cycles always sort of facilitate that, but none of these new normies are coming in with any sort of base layer of knowledge. So they make the same mistakes that we all made in 2013 for you, Adam, probably. And then 2017 and 2016 for me um, in trying to understand this thing. So I, I, you know, I don't know when we're going to get away from that, but it does seem to track the having cycle and the hype cycle very nicely. So we'll see history repeating itself again this time around, just like we did the last time and probably next time around too. So uh, you know, there's, there's talk of a super cycle at some point in the near future, but I think with all these problems we have with education, it, it's a little further off than we might like. Well, uh, hand it to Ross, to, who is definitely trying to educate, to, to avoid uh, these uh, crazy uh, pumps and, and dumps that, that we keep seeing. And uh, mm -hmm. everybody, pound that freaking like button before Gabriel speaks his first words on the show in a long, long time. Welcome back, Gabriel Devine. Thank you so much for having me again, Adam. All right. Um, you saw the uh, Russell uh, tweets, uh, Russell uh, article, and uh, there's a billboard, and there's Elon. What's your take on all that? Well, I, you know, I think it's quite entertaining on the one hand, because when you think about it, the Elon energy FUD was about two weeks ago now. Yes, and of course, it takes time in you know in the physical world in uh, you know meat space. It takes a long time to get like billboards going. It's just a strange, strange thing. Like the, the articles about the billboards are louder than billboards, um, and it's just a strange thing to do. And it's it's anachronistic, and uh, it's it's such a it's a sign that it's anachronistic, anachronistic that it took a couple of weeks to get these billboards up. Like I'm sure he thought of it, you know, the day after Elon's tweets. <laughs> and then it takes, you know, 11 days to get up on the billboard. It's just kind of like, what? It, like already that moment has passed and hardly anybody, I feel like the general public have moved past it already. It's not really, you don't like need to defend against it. That's a digital thing. So it's a, that's really ironic to me. Um, and, you know, obviously Russell is correct. All his arguments and the things that he says, his quotes in that article, 100% correct. Elon, totally. Um, I don't think Elon actually believes any of that stuff. In fact, I think Elon is mostly a flim-flammer. Perhaps he was a real entrepreneur in the 90s. Um, and the, I, the, I have heard or read somewhere that the original 
concept for PayPal, for example, which Musk was involved in from Peter Thiel's side was basically Bitcoin, but they didn't know how to do it. And you can't do it as a company. So that's a, another, that's one of the problems with a lot of these, uh, you know, crypto quote unquote projects. I won't use the uh, swear term for these um, fraudulent centralized coins, but um, most of them will fail. All of them will fail because they're uh, centralized projects. They're, they're companies essentially. And uh, that's what PayPal was. In any case, Elon was involved in that. Maybe he was a genuine entrepreneur at some point. But in the, in the meantime, he's uh, do dove completely into the fiat paradigm. And what that means is you, you gear your entire uh, business, quote unquote business, or organization, as you might call it, because it's not really a business. You know, there's, you're not actually, it's not a profit model. Your entire model is leveraging the power of the state to go directly into your coffers. SpaceX, space contracts from government agencies. In my opinion, as a conspiracy theorist, I very much subscribe to the secret space program and secret uh, technology, secret anti-gravity technology, in which case rocketry is totally 19th century technology, totally obsolete and a smokescreen. Then you look at uh, energy production, same deal, anti-gravity slash free energy. Uh, the solar thing, these uh, cells that are under 20% or whatever, about 20% uh, efficient, totally anachronistic technology, fake smokescreen. Then you look at Tesla, same thing. So uh, he's he's just trying to get carbon credits, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's very uh, funny to hear him, you know, to see him tweeting these things. It's all it's all part of his act. It's all part of this fiat paradigm where he's just basically another parasite. Um, with these fake quote-unquote businesses. He tricks a certain amount of people, but really none of them are profitable. He gets 100% of the profit from these, uh, you know, tax uh, and credits and, uh, you know, contracts. It's, it's all government. So, uh, I've got, I've got, I've got two, questions. Uh, I got two like questions on so, what you yeah. said. First for you is uh, you met him once, didn't you? Didn't you meet him? That is correct. Oh, okay. So, and did you, when you met him, though, what, did you get this vibe from him, or was he friendly? Uh, well, he 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 knew who I was and wanted to meet me. Just kidding. Uh, no, I was randomly <laughs> there for a photo shoot, and uh, yeah, no, I was I was there um, for a photo shoot. He was he's doing a magazine spread, and uh, I happened to be uh, friends with the, one of the crew. And uh, no, he was real cool. He was really uh, friendly and polite. He asked me what my novel was about and whether the science fiction was dystopian or utopian and shook his hand. Yeah, he's a large fellow. That, that much I can say. There's some insider info for you guys. You never know who's going to be on this show. Someone who might know Elon Musk. Now, um, one of one, the FUD that he was uh, spitting out, many people uh, thought he's a slave to this ESG paradigm. Uh, ES, I mean, it, it's disgusting. This everybody worried about ESG, environmental, social. Like, businesses are supposed to bow down to this ESG thing. Before we get to a uh, coin Icarus, um, what is your take on ESG? Mine? Yes. I don't. What the hell is ESG? It's environmental, social. That these companies have to worry. That's the right like, answer. Inst instead of exactly, <laughs> exactly. That is, instead of making instead of Worrying about making a profit, 
they've got to fit these weird environmental constraints that are supposed to protect the earth, but probably don't even protect the earth, earth and have to um, do, make uh, have their businesses revolve around social issues. Also, it, it, it's the uh, uh, yeah. it's the it's stakeholder capitalism instead of uh, instead of a shareholder capitalism, basically. All right. Yeah. So basically, uh, what this is is a, a psychological op as it's often known. It's a this is a natural outgrowth of the what you might call um, collectivist uh, sort of um, social engineering on a huge scale that's been on going for at least 150 years, if not longer, probably 150 years in the modern era. Uh, since, you know, just before Marx. And basically what the power elite have constructed is a philosophical paradigm uh, which is based on falsehoods and uh, fallacies. And uh, they've put a huge amount of money behind this in all the places in society um, that where money can affect uh, such a philosophical belief system in uh, Western cultures and Eastern too, but mostly the focus has been the uh, first world West. So um, this is a natural outgrowth of that. You can see this type of in, uh, cultural infiltration uh, in a very surface way now, uh, much more than before. Like um, it was kind of uh, in the halls of academia and scientism and many other industries um as well but it was a little bit more under the radar and they've kind of hurried things up because the internet has opened the information floodgates a bit too much for the power controllers liking so now you see it kind of being rushed uh you've got this uh whole thing that went happened last year with and then there's these uh jabs that people are getting and all that stuff and the fact that i need to talk in code right now where all the uh major platforms are censored and controlled that's kind of a related, all these things are related. This is a, it's a control, it's an attempt to establish this sort of one world control idea. Uh, I don't think it's gonna work, but yeah, the natural outgrowth of that um, complete falsehood. All right, good. I, I asked you that question because everybody loves those type of answers from Gabriel D. Vine. I, I was, that was a question I was expecting that answer there because people love when you talk about that stuff. Pound that like button. Somebody asked in the chat, Adam not out partying in Miami? Joke. Don't think he indulges in alcohol. Well, you're absolutely right. I do not. I haven't had alcohol since uh, 2014 or something like that. Um, I did used to party like a rock star, and I'm going to have fun on Friday and Saturday. Though I am going to have. I'm not going to drink, but you can have fun without drinking. And I, I just look. I'm, we're going to talk about this conference. We're going to talk about Miami is on fire. People. They have a, at the airport. My friend landed. He said there's a big sign there welcoming welcoming the guys to the conference. So it's great stuff. Coin Icarus, I know you wish you, you could be here. And um, what, going back to the subject matter in hand, though, what did you think about Russell and e Elon? Anything you want to add to the discussion here? We, we've gone wild talking about yeah. it. I was going to say it's really it's really tough to add, uh, you know, after uh, after Gabriel and, and Brian. OK, but I, I just, you know, I just want to point out really and, and uh, Brian touched on this. Right. You can really see that uh, Russell has a good head on his shoulders. You can see the way that like, you know, the way that he engaged in Bitcoin and the Bitcoin community is uh, obviously, you know, to me anyway, somebody who kind of has a uh, um, a good idea, a good sense of self. 
Um, and, and to me, like he just, you know, um, he kind of, you know, he kind of exemplifies like this is kind of what we want to see in somebody that, you know, has that type of star, you know, that, that, you know, the athlete star stature, um, you know, that they, they come to Bitcoin and they're learning and they're humble and they're understanding it, you know? Awesome. So, yeah, I, I got to tell my, my, I got somebody, by the way, there's a special guest here with me. I my, my buddy Shane is in the house. So we have a, there's a fourth guy here right now. And by Shane, you're just reading that, read, read that, read the threats that are on there. So, so take those things seriously. The woman who owns this place. Anyway. Okay. So uh, uh, let's, uh, hey, we're, we're, we're combining it all to here today. I am so pumped. Uh, my friends in town, and not just my friend from college, but my friends, the best freaking guests in the space who have been on this show before, they're all in town too. Um, again, we will, we'll have the, I mean, anything you have to say about this, Icarus, uh, but before we uh, continue, I know you wish you could be here. You have many friends that are down here. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's definitely awesome. Maybe one day, another conference. And part of the reason he would, you know, Gabriel asked about the billboard. One of the billboards is in Miami, so it makes sense that it's put up now because the people are the people are going to see his reply to Elon two weeks later or all 10,000 Bitcoiners are running around this city and uh, they are going to see that. All right. So we've talked, we, we got the happy news out of the way there. We talked about Russell. Um, what, what topic that's carried over uh, the last two weeks um, is that the price drop being blown out of proportion by all the newbies and how, I mean, they are the first to believe the FUD that we think is so old, like the tether thud, FUD, excuse me, tether FUD, the going to zero FUD. I mean, I have, in the last uh, in the last two weeks, these two FUD topics, I mean, they keep getting brought up and yet it's such old news to us. And Brian touched on this beforehand, but I wanna, I wanna get Coin Icarus's take on this and Gabriel's. Uh, and it, it just, it leads me to believe that despite what people say, that it's gonna be different this time, that 2022, will be a down year, like 2018 was a down year, because we have such weak hands that still fall for the same FUD. And it's just, it just scaled up. We had more people in the space, but the same the same percentage, if not more, keep falling for this. I mean, just minutes ago, Elon Musk tweeted out some cryptic heart thing or something people are saying, and people get worried about this. And yes, this time around, the environmental ESG FUD is going to take the lead. Um, you know, clean miners and all this crazy stuff. So, what, what, what's your take on that, uh, Coin Icarus? We'll start with you because uh, we took you a while to speak last time. No, no worries. Look, I, I mean, if there's one thing, if there's one thing I've learned uh, when it comes to the FUD cycles, it's always going to catch. It's always going to catch the weakest hands. And one thing I can say that's different, though, is that the people that um, that were around that didn't buy Bitcoin that knew me back in 2017, and this time have started to accumulate Bitcoin, aren't touching any shit coins. So to me, I feel as though um, it's slightly contrary to, I guess, to, to Brian's point about the education. Even though the education is scattered, I do agree with that. I think it is better than 2017. Like when I came in in late 2016, there was, I, I mean, and and that was still better than 2013. And I had nothing. I, I mean, it was it was really terrible. I was surrounded by, you know, just terrible narratives with terrible people with terrible information. So look, I, I think it's going to catch whoever it's going to catch. But at the end of the day, there's going to be people that are going to stick around, right? Like these people are going to, you know, they, they're not going to get shaken out. They're going to stick around. They're going to decide that they want to know more about this Bitcoin thing. 
right? It's not just NGU technology. It has many facets. And they, they become like like the rest of us, part of the base, you know, like part of that support. You know, the, the hodler of last resort, right? The remnant. So very good. I want to remind everybody in the in the chat, you can do a super chat or you can type in Bitcoin Meister if you got questions. We have answers for you. And Count Bitcoin actually says something very interesting. Environmental social justice, social governance, that is ESG, it will be used as a weapon to try to defund libertarian conservatives and traditional free market values. Okay, that, that is true. It is, a, it is a tool of some people to, to defund the, these other people uh, and, and scare them, de definitely. But what, what place does it have in the Bitcoin space? And what will, it, will this FUD, that Bitcoin is killing the environment, or that Bitcoin is ripping off poor people, or Bitcoin is racist, you know, whatever Bitcoin helps a terrorist, or <laughs> what role will that will that affect the price? Will that will the ESG people have an influence on this cycle? Um, and I'll, I'll keep it here with Bill. Um, yeah, I, I think that temporarily, right? I, I do believe that temporarily we we will have price fluctuations. It's no different, I, I think, than any other asset, right? Even though Bitcoin is. Uh, by far a unique asset that isn't fully understood, I think that it's still subject to the same human whims, right? We're all humans and we're the ones holding and accumulating Bitcoin. So, you know, it's like the ESG FUD, don't get me wrong, it hasn't gotten me because I, I just, I try to zoom out and look at the bigger picture and I always try to ask myself, you know, who stands to benefit, you know, from me having this information? Why am I being told this information? Right. And, and, and it's just, I, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, like it, it just, it doesn't add up. I, I just see private interests and it, it just doesn't make sense. It, I, I don't see how in, in, if everybody's actually being honest with themselves, I don't see how a, a proper base layer of money isn't profitable to the entire world. So exactly. I just yes. don't get it. I, I, I agree. Hey, somebody asked the question here and I think, I hope he's joking. Why aren't you worried about Tether? Well, here, here's a funny thing that 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 pe let me tell you why people are bringing up Tether again. One reason, well, one reason is because Fudsters never stop, and they know they can use stuff that is like from before 2017 so Fud that is like should be rotten by now. But literally, there was there's a a big YouTuber. He's an Asian guy. He used to work for Google. His wife left him, and he he talks about all sorts of issues. For and he's a smart guy. He all of a sudden says, "I'm selling all my Bitcoin because of Tether because of this article." And he references an article from January, from January that has been disproven. And I start getting people contacting me saying, Adam, should I sell my Bitcoin? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> it's unbelievable. People don't even like read the, the, the articles that they're supposed to be scared of to see that they're seven months old and have been completely, they're six months old and, and, and been completely disproven. And that's why I keep on bringing up FUD week after week. But I see the reactions of people firsthand. And I can't believe it. I can't believe people keep falling for Tether. I, 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 and just because an Asian guy whose wife left him, who used to work for Google, says something that he's selling his Bitcoin, people become worried all of a sudden. It, it's, it's, so, it's very amazing. It's just people, their worship of authority. That's why one of the sayings here, what's one of the sayings here on this channel? 
Don't put people on pedestals. Just because he's an Asian Googler whose wife left him doesn't mean you should listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to Tether. He's selling his he, – he, he had a clickbait article about Bitcoin, and he, he lied probably. He said, I'm selling my Bitcoin because of an article from January. He didn't say it was from January. He made it seem like it was new. I can't – anyway, Gabriel, what's your take on everything I've just been screaming about here? Uh, the never-ending FUD, and uh, will, will the ESG have an effect on Bitcoin this time? Uh, well, you know, I definitely agree with Phil uh, about the temporary effects of such FUD and uh, definitely zero effect long term. But uh, there, there's something that somebody said recently that I that I really glommed onto, which is uh, social media does not lend itself towards historical record keeping and record checking people. Very few users, I mean, uh, you know, in the pixels on uh, Twitter, shout out to Brian. Um, he's a great journalist who actually goes through Twitter and does the advanced search and finds very interesting old tweets from the past 15 years that, um, you know, for all, and all sorts of different subjects. That's very rare, though. Hardly anybody does that. And so what you have here is uh, new Comers coming into Bitcoin during the bull phase, just like all of us on this channel did. Um, you know, very few people came into Bitcoin in 2012, 14, 15, 18, well, 18 and 19 a bit more seemingly, but compared to before and after, it's still a small amount uh, proportionally. And what they do is they read the latest stuff because social media is, is king right now. People read, people aren't reading the classics. People aren't reading and they're not referencing things. And that's why, you know, medium or blog posts are so valuable because they can become classic. Something like the Nakamoto Institute, uh, you know, collecting these classic articles from 2012 and later. Um, you know, it's an invaluable resource for all the new users coming in. And this influx, of course, uh, goes up geometrically or whatever the, you know, mathematical constant is of user growth. So every happening cycle, there's going to be, an, you know, that many more million users coming in. So I really don't see that changing. And, and I've been actually a little bit surprised this cycle at how exactly everything has scaled up compared to 2013, 2017, or specifically 2017. Because 2017 seemed a little different than 2013. This cycle, actually, the numbers are in between 2013 and 17, which is unbelievable, actually, for us old timers. Um, and it's, it's like even the money side, um, I kind of predicted this, but it, it's amazing to see it with our own eyes where it's like, oh, well, the institutional money is coming in. So all the numbers are just scaled up 12 X or whatever it is from compared to four years ago. And uh, that's stunning. So all those numbers of people are coming in. Um, it may seem louder now, the FUD having more impact, but it's had the same impact percentage wise of users yeah. as it's always had and the hardcore users get hardened during the bear phase so there's this you know whatever percentage four percent eight percent twenty percent whatever it is of the newcomers coming in during this bull phase are going to be hardened and that those will be the stalwarts of the 2024 25 happening bull market and so since things seem to be similar but somewhat scaled up do you expect 2022 to be down Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree. All right, Brian, do you think 2022 will be down? Uh, I, at the beginning of, uh, or probably midway through 2020, I was optimistic, 
but it was it was more self-serving optimism that I was hoping it wouldn't. But you know, based on everything that I've seen, uh, it, it really seems like the the, the cycle is going to repeat pretty pretty uh, similar to what it's done in the past. Uh, yeah, that's that that's my point. Bringing up if if we're getting the same type of fud and panics that we're having during the good years, then we're going to have the same type of fud and panics that we have during the bad years. So I I, I just uh, I, I see it uh, d definitely repeating. Okay. Moving on from FUD topics, and I'll, I'll stick with uh, Brian on this one uh, since I got you here. Uh, well, we're, I was going to ask about the uh, the regulation. Uh, the, the the Biden administration is talking about. Uh, yeah, is I forgot where's where's the exact article. I want to make read it carefully again. Uh, yeah, Biden Biden administration crypto reg, hints at uh, crypto regulation. Um, I. Think some people. There was some news earlier this week that, and it was it was kind of it wasn't very specific, but uh, his regulators are looking uh, at, at Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency, and uh, no one likes to hear that, obviously. But for me personally, I've heard it all before. They're not going to ban Bitcoin at this point. Coinbase has freaking IPO. Okay, um, that, that that it passed by. You know, yeah. to, to, for the United States to legitimately want to to ban Bitcoin is it's pretty much off the table now, right? And that's not what was what was said. Um, our bureaucracy grows and grows. I think they hire more and more buffoons, and I I, <laughs> I think it's a lot of talk. They'll, they'll probably have some exchange rule eventually. I don't think it'll make that much of a difference. I am not worried at all. I think it's basically fud. Um, and I think some of the people that are even saying it from the administration have no idea what Bitcoin really even is. So, uh, uh, Brian, what was your take on, on that article? Uh, yeah, I think it's this is what I mean, new administrations do this all the time. They set their agendas. They want to say, this is how I'm going to approach this complex, arbitrary topic. So I'm going to do this. Uh, so it's kind of not surprising to me that the Biden administration has hinted that they're going to do some kind of regulation at some point, maybe in, in crypto or Bitcoin. Um, they're all, this is just what they do. But to the extent that these regulations do come down, whatever they may be, um, you know, we have precedent now of what the community can do and, and how we can push back when there's a regulation coming down that we don't like. And that was at the end of December, early January last year, when I think it was FinCEN put out a regulation uh, related to pulling money, uh, pulling money and or money equivalents off of exchanges. So Bitcoin and everything. Um, you know, it was hastily, hastily drafted. It was at the tail end of, of, of Trump's administration uh, after Biden had already been elected. And they gave you basically like 15 days to, to object that every every regulation that comes down the pike in this country is typically subject to at least a 90 day note, what's called notice and comment period, where the public gets to comment on it and say, hey, this is going to be bad. Or this is going to be good. Uh, and that's a that's a result of our constitutional system. I won't get into that. But there's a reason why that happens, and, and that's the United States specifically. And what happened was a deluge of comments came in in the 15 days, basically saying, you can't do this. This is poorly written. This is overbroad, uh, under effective. And actually, I think I was on your show the last time it came out, and we talked a little bit about it briefly. But, um, you know, we aren't, we, to the extent that these regulations come out, we have the ability to affect them and neutralize them entirely uh, as a, as a, as a, society as an ecosystem of, of, of Bitcoiners, uh, and we're pretty effective. And we've shown that now with the FinCEN regulations that we can be heard. And I think we just need to keep that up and stay vigilant. 
Um, and do, again, don't give in to the FUD because people love to spread it. And I know the newbies all get caught up in it, but we have we now have a track record of being effective in sort of curbing and or completely uh, eliminating these threats. All right. I want Gabriel. I'm going to ask you a question about the, the United States government and, and regulations in a second. But I want to address something that two things that were said in the chat before we go to Gabriel on this topic. Someone said, but Tether lied. They used to say one tether was backed by $1, and they are being investigated by the New York Attorney General. There you go. You are living in the past. They settled with the New York Attorney General. That is over. All right. And so you're spreading FUD by saying something like that. Also, <laughs> an investigation doesn't mean that they did anything wrong either. And a settlement doesn't mean that they did anything wrong. It might just be easier to do. And guess what? If tether is printing dollars out of thin air, so is the United States of America. And if the market thinks that Tether is making something that's worth a dollar, then tough luck to the United States government. They are making something that's worth a dollar. People think Dogecoin is worth 50 cents. Why can't Tether print something that's backed by nothing? Why not? Why not? You guys, people who don't think they can, you are statist. Everyone should be able to print as much cryptocurrency or whatever they, as they want, let the market decide. You need the New York Attorney General, that power greedy woman who are stabbed anyone in the back to tell you what's safe, to tell you what's money. You're a C-U-C-K if you need that power, that, that woman who's, pro who knows how she got that job. What and what and what she's willing to do to become the governor of New York. Everything that woman does is to move up in power. She's she stabbed the governor of New York in the back in, in two seconds to, to, to try to get rid of him. Because, so, again, that 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 gives legitimacy that this this power hungry, greedy woman from this horrible state, which has been a disgrace for the last year. That, that just, just because she's she wants to pick on Tether, that they, they're bad or something like that. No, they're I, I think Tether is freaking awesome. I want to give a rat's tuchless if it's backed by nothing, if they have no reserves, okay? It, it has nothing to do with Bitcoin <laughs> at all. It really doesn't. If it, if it went under all of a sudden, then people would jump into Bitcoin or jump into something else. It really, it's been explained so many times out there. It's just, just like, it, there's, there's a statist mentality out there that so, because some some woman in New York thinks it's a bad thing, it, it must be a bad thing. But and that's and that's ended, as Brian said. Now another question that was someone said, free loving, asked me how many miles I ran today. I ran five miles as fast as I could today because I, I had to meet my friend here and I had to cook to get to get to get the show off the ground. Um, but the other question is, can you name one place you would like to run again? And this deals with what I was just saying. I don't want to run in New York again. I want to run in a New York that's free again, that has no more people like the, these horrible sociopaths like that woman and like Cuomo in charge. But specifically, I was going to answer, I want to run in Australia again. Because right now, the people of Australia are locked down for no reason, and everybody thinks that they're super-duper manly. And there are some pretty manly Crocodile Dundee guys there. There are some, but my God, have they laid down like C-U-C-Ks, so many of them, that, that, that this has happened, that New Zealand and Australia are shut down still. So I want to run there again when they are free. So people, get off the tuchlesses, be more like Texas and Florida, especially Florida, 
and just fight back against the ridiculous stuff that's going on in Australia. So uh, that's where I want to run again, in Australia. Okay, we went totally off track there, but then it happens on this week in Bitcoin show. I can do that. I'm a unique beast. I don't follow the freaking clickbait narratives that are out there. We're not talking about Dogecoin or the flavor of the months. We're just talking about whatever I feel like darn talking about. And Gabriel, what do you feel like darn talking about when it comes to the United States and regulating and scaring everybody that, that Biden can actually do something to Bitcoin? It, it, is it possible? The floor is yours. Uh, you know, that was a terrible opinion piece, but it's right in line with uh, Coinbase's uh, idiotic editorial. You know, they've been uh, spreading FUD and covering all sorts of frauds and scams, uh, dunking on Bitcoin for years now. I mean, uh, for the first maybe six, eight months of their existence, they had some nice journalism going on with uh, some classic writers like Aaron von Vierdem and uh, uh, spacing on the other guy's name. He's fantastic. But um, these are old schoolers, and the, the rest of the writers, are, they're hardly any good uh, you know, journalists in the space. And this is just a classic bootlicker, disgusting piece. Um, you know, uh, I have to disagree with Brian um, about one point that you made there, Brian. Um, the public does not have a voice for these agencies. They say that they'll take the public's opinion into account. Only if that opinion does not contradict that of their masters, their puppet string holders, will they act on it. Only if they have a neutral yellow or green go ahead with whatever the public want, we don't care, will they actually act on all the messages that they're getting from the public. If any agency gets the word from up on high that they have to run through some, some regulations, they have they will do it because they're completely controlled that's just how centralized political structures work so i definitely disagree with your statement there and i also disagree with the implications which is that um democracy somehow gives the voice to the public it's not really true in practice in my opinion and in my experience uh regarding regulations in general uh yes it's nearly 100 percent irrelevant and I believe this article also talked about CBDCs, but the next article that we discussed, we'll talk about that. So I'll cover that stuff later. All right, Brian, you, you've got a response to Gabriel, what he just said. Yeah, I would say, I mean, to his point that democracy doesn't generally give people a voice where it's sort of illusory. Um, I agree. It gives you, it gives you, I think it gives you a voice. I'm not sure it always gives you an effective voice, um, but you know, we, as I said before, we have precedent in that people are willing to affect the the uh, regulatory outcome. You know, I mean, it's short term, so maybe they'll they'll repackage it and retry it again, and, and they'll get and they'll ram it through. Um, but I do think that there is a, there is an effect there, and even when it when it fails on the regulatory front through this notice and comment period, which is laborious and onerous and annoying, and most people don't want to do it anyway or have it have any ability or know how to do it. Um, there is the the court system mechanism, and Gabriel, I'm a lawyer, so this is this is just where I this is what I go to all the time. Um, you know, when I see a nail and I'm a hammer, I'm gonna hit it's an, it, everything's a nail. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's the the fault, the backdrop of the court system, and that and there those are often overturned through through that apparatus as well. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. Um, is it necessary, really, even in Bitcoin? Maybe not. Uh, but it's a nice backstop to have, so you don't have to rely 
on the disperse, you know, try that attack vector. Um, you have a, you have an ability to avoid going to the protocol level for defense. You can you can defend outside the protocol level and still have that protocol level to defense to call on later should you need it. Uh, but before we uh, get to, to, to Phil Coin Icarus on this, I, I want to say that in the chat, Bolt Bold T is making some good points here, and I, I want to share them with everyone. Do you trust CZ and Binance? They are being investigated by the Department of Justice for price manipulation. Don't you think it's true they would be using Tether? Well, I don't, I don't care. What, I, I don't think they should be investigated. They're not in the United States. Why, why does the United States think it has to be in charge of some co company in Asia? It makes no sense to me at all. I don't, why are Bitcoiners putting their Bitcoin at third parties, okay? They, they're making the stupid mistake of trading with some Asian company out there and putting it into Tether, putting it into Bitcoin. Bitcoin is about being your own bank. You're going to learn the hard way. We don't need the United States to investigate that dude. Is if he's running a if he's running something that's a little uh, off off okay that's your fault for giving him uh be trusting a third party that's not what Bitcoin is about so I, I mean I I welcome third parties can exist I'm not using them I've got the best thing out there it's Bitcoin and I don't I don't think the government should be wasting its time going after these these uh, I mean, they're doing it, the, the government agencies and the people in the government are doing it to try to impress the voters and, and make it seem like they're doing something. There's no need to do anything with, with these, with, with, with Binance. I mean, who cares? Now, you, another thing that was said, Tether settled and they need to provide audits for collect, their collateral. There has been no comments on this audit yet. If you are fine with Tether printing money, are you also okay with altcoins doing it too? Yes, I am. And then Bit, Bit, you said when Bitcoiners saw ICOs print money out of thin air, they want regulators to shut them down. But when Tether does it, who cares? That's not right. You're absolutely right. It's not right. Okay. I didn't want regulators to set ICOs down. I have been consistent. I don't want regulators of the United States messing with anything dealing with cryptocurrency. Now, when they do mess with Tether and with these ICOs, they're being a shield for Bitcoin. They're, 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 they're taking on a centralized entity that they can pick on. Tether is centralized. ICOs are centralized. That's why these uh, government people are going after them. They can't go after Bitcoin. So they can almost lit vicariously go after Bitcoin through these, these other entities. It, it's as if they're going out after Bitcoin. They're doing the next best thing. I still don't think they should do it. I think, I think it is wrong. I think it, ICOs should be able to exist. I think Tether should be able to exist. I think every sixth tier, ninth tier altcoin should be able to exist, exist. Let the best man win. This is where the big boys play and baby Bitcoin keeps on winning and Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. It's a really simple concept. I repeated here a million times. You don't need the SEC to, 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 to tell you that, okay? You should know it by now. You shouldn't be playing with Tether. And if you do play with Tether and Binance, then except you don't need to be bailed out by the woman in New York. All right. So again, I've, I've uh, jumped Adam, off top. Yes. Adam, I have one comment to make. It's a famous saying. I can't remember who came up with it, but it takes 10 times as much effort to dispel FUD as to create it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> a very, very good point. And there are many smart guys on Twitter that get into these long debates about the energy FUD. Okay. Real, Nick Carter has spent so much time attacking the energy fund. 
the energy fund people aren't changing because a genius it, it has is clearly presented no. that the energy fund is nonsense. They are going to keep on doing it to waste Nick's time. And that that is Gabriel's point. And so everyone out there, <laughs> I, th I think it's being uh, implied that I'm wasting time on FUD. Uh, and it is it's not good to spend too much time on fighting FUD because those who spread it, they're not going to be convinced. You're not able to persuade FUDsters at all. You're not able to persuade certain FUDsters at least. All right, most FUDsters. So, and some of them are doing it just to waste your time. So you can't be productive. Be productive. Be a unique beast. And Phil, we're, we had a delay. What is, what's your take on the United States uh, regulation and all, all this regulation stuff I've been yelling about here? Okay. So, I mean, look, you know, uh, I've got zero expertise in any of this, but, you know, from, you know, digging through the news for the last, you know, I don't know how long. Um, this is the only piece that I see is that this is an antiquated system that knows that its time is at an end or coming close to it. And they they have nothing but being gatekeepers. This is the only thing that they can do. Like when you're once you move your fiat into Bitcoin and you, it's part of the Bitcoin ecosystem, they really can't do anything with your money. So really, all they have is that gate when you convert it back into fiat. Um, if you choose to, uh, I'm not, uh, I, I don't, uh, I haven't traded anything back into fiat. I have no reason to trade my Bitcoin into a shitcoin. But, um, you know, that to me is their only power. So they're going to sit there and they are going to regulate those gates like crazy. Okay. They are going to do everything they can. But all that's going to do is going to push more and more of us to build on the Bitcoin ecosystem and just to continue to build in it. And eventually, uh, I, I, you know, really hope that we don't have to leave the Bitcoin ecosystem. And it's kind of checkmate, right? Like we simply just moved the board out from under them. Like they're still sitting there with their guards up and they're like, we're waiting. But we're like, no, we're over here on a, on a board in a separate place. <laughs> and you can't you know, do anything with it. You, Phil, you just prevented, you just provided a very good segue to another topic that I was going to save a little bit toward, toward the end. But I think it's, uh, you know, talking about the Bitcoin oh. ecosystem, valuing your wealth in Bitcoin, you know, just trading with other Bitcoiners for, for products. Um, Gabriel Devine had a great tweet out there. Uh, and it said, when the Lightning Network came out, I was asking, what will be the third layer? While apps using Lightning was absolute, was obviously an expected answer, using the network itself as a transport layer, not just transactional, came as a big surprise. And you reference Sphinx Chat and Impervious AI. So, uh, Gabriel Devine, any, anything you want to add about uh, layer three? A, a yeah. yeah, I can talk about that. Although I did want to just make it just um, quote something from the previous article that is just a complete lie from from uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, not surprisingly, who iter uh, reiterated the Fed's first research paper about a digital do dollar would be published this summer. And he believes a U.S. central bank digital currency should prioritize consumer privacy and protection. Complete lie. He doesn't believe that. They want to uh, hide behind statements that it does and then just stab you in the back. Don't trust yes. any of these scammer fraudsters. Okay, moving on to the third layer. Um, yeah, I was always, because it was like, okay, I'm always thinking beyond, right? Like, it's like, oh, hey, we're going to build layers on, uh, software layers on top of Bitcoin. It's separation of concerns and the principle of modularity, good software architecture. I thought that's great. Um, and then what gets built on top of that? 
And um, people were like, oh, you know, I don't know, maybe something on top of lightning. And I'm like, well, how can you go on top of lightning? It's just the transaction trans, you know, layer. Well, it turns out that the lightning network, uh, the first design, I believe, you know, other after the white paper was created by Taj Jaidra and uh, um, Joseph Poon, which blew everybody's minds in February 2016 that was, that was watching. The next, you know, the real big, uh, you know, engineering project was actually designing and building the communication protocol. So in other words, there's a lightning node on the internet and another lightning node, Alice and Bob, right? And they have to talk to each other in a private peer-to-peer -peer messaging system. Well, there were already several different, you know, broadcast systems out there for people to set up these, um, uh, you know, communications channels. And it seems to me that there were some a number of shortcomings in all of the existing infrastructure. And therefore, the Lightning architecture designers took the best parts of each and kind of created their own data transport layer. So Lightning is not just a microtransaction, instant, you know, Bitcoin, con you know, contract. It's also just a straight chat protocol, actually, you could call it. And <laughs> amazingly, it's so good and it's so d well engineered, efficient and properly distributed, decentralized that um, projects are realizing, wow, we can use the Lightning Network, which already has a bunch of, you know, software. It has three or four implementations, Eclair, uh, you know, LND and, and CLI. It's got a few different implementations and oh, in different you know, programming languages. This is a great infrastructure that we can build on top of. And that, are, those are the first layer three projects. And like you mentioned, Sphinx Chat was kind of the first and now Impervious is uh, another one. So basically, Sphinx Chat is a open source protocol. Uh, the company that uh, the guys that created it have a company, and they offer some uh, paid hosting. But you don't have to use that at all. You can totally download their open source software and run it on your own server anywhere. So it's a completely open source project. And what it is is chat rooms that have Lightning built into them and use Lightning as how the messages are sent back and forth. So it's just these chat rooms, but the cool thing about it is that the lightning being built into the messaging protocol makes it super powerful for uh, setting up incentive systems. So uh, right now you have Telegram, you have all these different things and they get overran by, over, excuse me, they get overrun by spam bots and all, there's all these sorts of problems. Then you need to have a centralized infrastructure or at least the moderators that are deciding, you know, what to ban, then people get banned, and you can lose your account and see silos, you know. Sphinx Chat is an open protocol. Anybody can make a room, a chat room, and, you know, then you own it and control it, and you set the policy. So you can set a room where people have to pay to enter. You can set a room where people have to pay to um, send messages. But you can also set up situations where you can, where people have to deposit lightning bitcoin in order to make a message and if nobody votes it spam they get it back so then it's like a deposit or escrow situation where 
only once the mods, the owner, or the everybody, all the you know participants in the group vote that your content is not spam, do you get your money back? So it's kind of like a using this lightning, uh, the, the you know the, the money aspect, the value aspect as um, a way to prevent the problems of centralized communications protocols and platforms. Unbelievable! So so genius. Uh, right. Impervious yeah. is. Uh, do, should I move on to Impervious? Well, uh, well yeah, quickly on Impervious because I don't even know. Yeah, they're, they're very new. Uh, they developed an API, um, and basically the API is a REST infrastructure, which is basically a classic web um, communication protocol built on top of the Lightning. Instead of regular HTTP, like you use on the web on a browser, or um, you know TCP/IP, regular just internet straight messaging, which is totally unencrypted, classic 1968, you know, internet, you know, protocol. Um, they are building that, that same sort of web uh, communication standard on top of Lightning as a messaging protocol back and forth. Of course, it also has payments built in. So that's really interesting, too, because then you can build your app on top of a decentralized communication layer instead of the web, which is quite centralized. You have, you have these domain providers. It's very centralized compared to something like Bitcoin. Dude, you heard some layer three stuff here today. You never know what you're going to get. I'm, I'm glad you could you elaborated on all that stuff, uh, Gabriel. Was I, I mean, I, I didn't know that second one at all. I mean, I've heard of Sphinx and everything. So there you go, Brian, or I think it was Phil or Brian said, uh, you know, keep it in the Bitcoin ecosystem there. It was Phil, actually. So th th there's your, your Bitcoin ecosystem if you want to spend uh, little teeny bits of Bitcoin. Uh, there you go. Uh, I we're gonna we're gonna move on from that that topic there. But I, I wanted to say that Bolt sent ten Canadian dollars, and he said Bitcoin Meister is the best crypto host in the space. Dude, I give you credit for you know bringing up the topics that you're you're bringing up. And by the way, when I said that you know some people are you know CUCKs that that uh, that are worried about the government, I wasn't talking about you. You're you're, you're a good dude. You're bringing up some uh, topics. You said. Do you, do you admit there are risks in crypto? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I admit the risk in crypto. Uh, that Why mess with these altcoins? Why mess with these cent things that are more, that are centralized as opposed to Bitcoin? Um, and so, we, we you know, pe people can take on those risks if they want to. I mean, there, there are always going to be risks in, in anything that you do. Um, I say it's, Tether is FUD for Bitcoin though. Like, if you're holding Tether, you're not holding Bitcoin. So thus saying, you know, Tether is backed by nothing, Bitcoin is worthless, that is FUD for Bitcoin. It has nothing to do, you know, Tether having its issues or Binance having its issues. If Binance got hacked of every single Bitcoin it owns today and, and, that, and people said, well, that's why Bitcoin is horrible. That would be Bitcoin FUD, but in, indeed it, it, it because it has nothing to do with Bitcoin, though. It has to do with the security of Binance. If, if, if Binance got got uh, hacked, and yes, there is risk in Binance. There is risk in, in crypto. And and I want to say, going back to the New York Attorney General. All right, I mean, to, she's Letitia James. She might as well be freaking Travon James to me. Okay, that's the that's where I put her on that level of, of BitConnect Travon James. Pound that freaking like button. All right, moving on from the James twins there. We're going to go to, uh, we're going to talk about the, not, we're not going to talk about Goldman Sachs here. We're going to talk, oh, yeah, 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 the, the, uh, the uh, 
the, the coins of the uh, what, what's it called uh, of the country coins. The, the Fed, yes, CBDC. European Central the European Central Bank warns countries uh, that they, they they shouldn't fail to launch their own digital currencies. Basically, the ECB is saying if you don't uh, launch your own uh, digital currencies, you're going to lose financial power over your people. I mean, that's the way I interpreted it. Um, how about you, Phil? Yeah, that's that's exactly the way I interpreted it. But you know what? Um, look, at the end of the day, we all know exactly what this is, right? This is just an extension of the current fiat system. It's just going to be endless print in a digital manner. Uh, it's going to contain the exact disservice that our current fiat money holds for us. De you know, losing value, censorship, all of that fun stuff. But in this case, right? In this case, it gets even worse because... At least right now, we have cash. The system doesn't really, governments don't really like, I, I, at least I don't believe governments like cash. Uh, this, this allows them to have a real interesting type of stranglehold. It can create a whole type of creepy dystopian future that I think none of us want to see. Um, and you know what? I, I think that the government that actually, and I don't really see it happening, but I'd I'd be really happy to see it. A government that chooses to embrace Bitcoin and actually use Bitcoin as uh, their peg for whatever currency they're going to issue and actually be transparent of whatever shitcoin they're going to issue. I'd, you know what, as much as it'd still be a shitcoin, at the very least, it would be backed by a solid base, which once upon a time when we were, I believe we were more successful as a, as a society. So I, I will say this about the ECB warning. Okay, they they know they know that uh, that money is uh, it, it, you know that controlling the money, have government having a monopoly on money is something that is a uh, very valuable to the governments. And they see that Facebook is going to a private corporation is going to have their own money. They don't like that, and they also know all these cryptocurrencies are out there. So they are right. To, to warn countries, if you don't, if you don't make your own, if you don't force or try to force your people into your into a Fed coin, you're going to lose financial power over your people. I mean, it, it is true, and it just shows you the uh, the innovation that is Bitcoin. That, that that we're living in a golden age now. That, uh, that there is a threat to the government monopoly on money. I think it's good that I think it's good that they're worried. Uh, Gabriel, what was your take on that article? You know. It's uh, you know it's it's a hundred percent a joke. This whole you know subject matter, complete joke. They have no chance. They have a zero percent chance of succeeding at uh, creating uh, CBDCs and having you know the market pick them up. Even if banks, central banks around the world, had launched CBDCs in two thousand five, right, right when the internet was kind of like you know relatively penetrated, they still would have lost to Bitcoin when it came out. Uh, because they'll never give up control of government script. It's a completely different thing. It can never mm -hmm. compete in the market with Bitcoin. And believe you me, it will be. Because, you know, if you can transact with another person, they can sell you Bitcoin for it. And that's going to be a totally separate system. So they'll have no idea that, that, that that's what just happened. So central banks won't have transparency into Bitcoin trading using their um, script, their digital script. And CBDCs uh, could easily supersede regular fiat. I mean, regular fiat is essentially primarily digital anyways. They're just talking about like kind of loading it on a bit of a different platform or taking 
a little bit more of the uh, transactional layer from banks directly into the central bank. But just, uh, you know, it's, it's this exact same thing. It's, it's still fiat. It's still currency by decree, which is what a fiat is. So they'll never be able to compete with Bitcoin. Bitcoin will utterly crush, in my opinion, all of the world's government script in the next three halving cycles. So 12 years. I got a question for you, but the CBDC, uh, some countries will be able to nationalize all their banks that way too. I mean, they'll be able to take, they'll, right. they'll just yeah, they're, become they're, the bank. Right. So this is actually an attack of central banks on, on their clients, which are the banks. That's right. Are too, yeah. The banks are too <laughs> decentralized for central banks liking. Governments want all the power. So they're just eating who they can until they die. And mm -hmm. so I see, I see a, a real, I mean, I actually predicted eight years ago that this would be the year that we would really see some serious banking industry collapse. And uh, so far, I, my my uh, my prediction has not come to pass. But it's interesting. We've got two more quarters, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, and regarding the uh, private uh, corporation coins, tech giant coins like Facebook's failed project are just a red herring. They're just it's just a, more spin on gift cards. That they'll they'll never compete with Bitcoin either. So it's just another. CBDCs are just kind of um, central banks are just kind of like lashing out um, because they know that they're going to lose and, and they're they're focusing uh, like you said earlier they're focusing on the centralized entities because they're low hanging fruit they can never compete with Bitcoin and they won't they'll die because of Bitcoin that's been my prediction since 2013 as well that Bitcoin will be the pin that pops the bubble. Now I want everybody to pound that like button, but also Gabriel, my my follow up question something that Phil said. He hopes that one day a country will adopt Bitcoin as its uh, currency. I also hope that, but I'm not sure if that exactly will happen. I know some countries will use it in their treasuries, but will will there be a country that uh, breaks out of the, the, the greed of uh, g trying to do a Fed coin, but instead will try to do a, a have Bitcoin? Because they would have a prosperous country, they just wouldn't have power over their people that way. Yes, I, I actually agree with Phil that that will happen. Um, Phil was talking about backing, which probably will also happen. But I think that perhaps uh, some small countries, I believe that, well, first of all, I do believe that all large nation states will dissolve this century. And we have a future of only micro nations. But that will be a gradual process where we go from large to medium to small to Micro, uh, but yeah, everybody will be, you know, every micro nation will use Bitcoin as its currency. But I do think that there will be a Bermuda or a, you know, or a whatever Saint Cook Cooks Island or whatever that, you know, Cook Islands or whatever, whoever these small sovereign nations, Monaco, Saint, what's the one in Italy, San Marino, you know, one of these tiny countries could actually uh, adopt Bitcoin, not as a reserve, not as a backing, but literally Bitcoin. And just say, mm -hmm. hey, pay your taxes in Bitcoin and uh, just, you know, go for it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens at an extremely limited scale this decade. Uh, or certainly God, you know, imagine if Monaco did that. They're already pretty wealthy there. Imagine the envy of all the socialists over the world. I mean, they would be uh, begging the United States to nuke Monaco. <laughs> the way things are going. All right, uh, Brian, your, your take on, on the article. 
yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what Gabriel said that, you know, these things cannot necessarily compete with Bitcoin, uh, certainly not in a, in a real free market. However, the state does have quite a bit of monopoly power, particularly over the currency area. Um, and my concern is not that Bitcoin won't win, but my concern is the collateral damage associated with CBDCs uh, until that time comes over the over the however many years it takes or decades it takes. Uh, you know, there's there's privacy concerns because they can track you. There's liberty concerns because they can influence your behavior in the marketplace, you know, by doing negative, essentially negative interest rates on an individual level. Um, they're, it's easily confiscatable, so it can, they, can, they can affect your behavior that way. And it changes the orientation of the person to the state uh, in, a really, in a really dramatic way. You know, in the fiat world, for all its faults, the state still has to exert force sort of uh, from the outside, you know, passing regulations and forcing you to behave in a certain way. Whereas with CBDCs, you know, square one is that they can influence your behavior. And then you have to exert force on the state to get out of that realm in a sufficient way that makes them back off. And that's really difficult to do. So uh, if you have Bitcoin, you, ha you have a better shot at anybody than doing it, but uh, it's difficult and not everyone's gonna have sufficient Bitcoin. So it's concerning to me, like really concerning to me what this all means. And I don't think people appreciate uh, how dangerous it can be for, for in the short term to the medium term. Okay, <laughs> good points brought up there. Um, guys, don't... Uh... Don't buy into your country CBDC. There, there's another option, but the the eighty percenters uh, will. They, there'll be some convenience to the CBDC stuff. I mean, that's how people are going to get their welfare checks. And uh, uh, the, the um, CBDCs, CBDCs will allow all sorts of weird things to be impl implemented, like negative interest rates. Uh, anyway, we shall see. It can all be avoided if you buy and hold Bitcoin, people. <laughs> if you just value your wealth in Bitcoin and don't get tempted by the uh, the Biden Fed bucks or the uh, Kamala Fed bucks that you're you're offered in 2023 or something like that. All right, but we, we got Brian here on the line. You wanted to bring up the, the Goldman Sachs report uh, that talked about ETH, uh, Ethereum beating Bitcoin as a store of value. I mean, the report was interesting, but that's that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's that was pretty insane. Uh, I mean, maybe they just maybe it was just clickbait there. Um, I mean, I'm glad they're talking about. The future and the, the, the Bitcoin's in the future. Okay, t tell us your take on, on. I'm trying to put a positive spin on it. That's absolutely. I mean, it sounds like they're in kindergarten there. That that under they're golden freaking sacks. How can they say? Tell us how can they say Ethereum beats Bitcoin as a store of value? Yeah, I, no. I, I mean, I think I just tweeted. I said it, it looked. It looks like it was written by someone who spent 30 minutes on Reddit and submitted to their high school English teacher or something like that. Like. I mean, it's very nice, fancy sets and graphics, uh, Adam. So I mean, great <laughs> graphics in there, but it was not, it just did not make any sense uh, in terms of why ETH would bit, beat Bitcoin. They're saying NFTs and all these great use cases that will disappear over you know, the next 90 to 120 days are going to really make it a great store of value. Um, and the, you know, all the dApps that are promised. And, you know, the, the, the funny thing to me is someone can say that Ethereum can beat Bitcoin as a store of value when Ethereum is actively planning on changing its consensus mechanism in the near, in the next year or two, you know, they say it's the next year or two, but they've said that for like four years now. So I, you know, you can't have a store of value if you don't know what you're operating with. And this is what Saylor says when he went all in on Bitcoin and nothing else. He's like, I don't, I can't trust Ethereum. You know, it's run by a couple, you know, powerful people and, and uh, they may or may not change the entire algorithm. It may not, may or may not work. So who's going to put their money, you know, my, my, I have a savings horizon and there's a reason why I chose Bitcoin because I know 
that it will be there in 15, 20, 25, 30 years. And I can just stack. And with Ethereum, I have no idea what it's even going to be, let alone whether it's going to be there. So it's an infantile uh, analysis, and I found it kind of hilarious. But of course, it'll affect some some serious investors, and it'll you know short-term swing some things probably. I'll say that my, my friend Shane here was saying at the beginning. I mean, if you've got like two billion dollars, you're not going to invest in something that can be turned off or changed suddenly, or you shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's people are saying their altcoin is the next best thing since Swiss cheese. I mean, would you put you know the Forty billion dollar or whatever, twenty billion dollars, two, two, one billion dollars in IOTA? No, of course not. When we can it just be turned off? So uh, Ethereum is a little bit more respectable than IOTA, obviously, but uh, we get the point. And Ethereum, I mean, it has some fanatical fans. Like we got this guy Ryan Sean Adams. He says Ethereum, and this makes no sense. What I'm about to read you: Ethereum is more decentralized money system than Bitcoin because it has DeFi, and maximalists choose to ignore this fact. No, because Ethereum has DeFi, because you can build these DeFi things on it, it's more decentralized than Bitcoin. That makes no sense. And Udi Wertheimer says Dogecoin is more decentralized money system than Ethereum because it has a dog. And maximalists choose to ignore this fact. That's just as logical. That makes as much sense that Dogecoin is, is more decentralized than Ethereum because it has a dog. I mean, it is, because you have DeFi makes you more decentralized than Bitcoin. It makes no sense at all. But this is, I mean, there's some people who are really in love with Ethereum. I am not, I don't have Ethereum derangement syndrome either, by the way. I, 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 I think Ethereum should be able to do what they're doing. They're, they do some interesting things over there. But to say it's more decentralized or to, to say uh, you know, that it's a, it's a better store of value or whatever, it's, it's just like you're a fanboy or something when you're saying that. You're, you're not really looking at, at, at the numbers. So I, I don't know. Uh, I think, Phil, I heard you making some noises there. Do, do you have something yeah. you can say about that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So a couple of things. Um, so first of all, Ethereum, there is no, there's no hard cap. Okay. There's no maximum supply. Um, they claim that they're going to burn tokens, but when you have no maximum supply, who cares? That makes no difference. You could burn all the tokens you want. It makes no difference at all. Number two, you can't verify the, you can't accurately verify the circulating supply. So when you talk about the store of value and you talk about people placing what they are essentially converting their time into, right? Like the, the most finite resource that we have on this earth, you think we're gonna trust it to something, okay? that uh, essentially one person holds the key to that main smart contract, right? Vitalik, number one. Number two, like I said, there's no hard cap. Number three, you can't verify the circulating supply. Number four, there was a 70% pre-mine, which they 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 dump on their bag holders at, at regular intervals to help keep the lights on, okay? So on top of that, whether they want to accept it or not, it's actually centralized, right? The Ethereum Foundation runs pretty much everything for Ethereum. Um, and I'm pretty sure that on the point of Ryan Sean Adams, at this point, I'm pretty sure he's a bot. I don't think <laughs> that he is a human being. There's no way that, that that's a person. Uh, so why do you think why do you think it. Goldman why do you think Goldman Sachs came oh. out with the headline though? Oh, I'm why sorry. do you think they did it? I, yeah, I totally missed the whole point of that. I'm sorry, I'm so busy back. No, 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 it's fine. No, 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 no. You you get you you showed why it's an insane headline. Um, why do they do that? You you why know why? because it's it's more easily controlled that like that to them right it has all of these unknowns and that is easier to manipulate for them 
And to me, that's why Goldman Sachs wants a piece of it. And don't forget, they can also build shit coins on Ethereum. They can make tokens. It's fantastic, right? All the privacy use cases, security use cases, right? Checking sure. wine bottles and and being part of, like you mentioned, Iota, right? The tangle, right? Your your money appears, then it's gone. It's all in the tangle. <laughs> there you go. Oh, well, I think you, you might have given us a preview of uh, what uh, Gabriel Devine was. I'm, I'm going to ask Gabriel Devine the same question. Why did uh, go, why did Goldman Sachs come up with such a line in such a report, Gabriel Devine? That's an interesting question. Um, why specifically Goldman Sachs? Well, they're scammers. They're fraudsters. <laughs> um, they're, they're rent seekers. Um, their whole business model is basically uh, inside what we would call insider trading, which, of course, Adam and I do not have a problem with insider trading. It's just that there's an entire legal infrastructure which prevents other people, unfriends of regulators, from the inside information. Um, so their whole sort of approach is um, predatory and uh, parasitical. So it's a natural fit that they would love Ethereum. Let's try the cam right now, see if I'm back. By the way, you, you, you bring up inside, insider trading. Yes, on a free market, insider trading would not be rent-seeking. It is rent-seeking right now because the government says there's not supposed to be insider trading, but they let some people do it. Right. You know, so, and, and thus, exactly. you, you're absolutely exactly. right by calling it rent-seeking under the, the world that we're living, under the rules that are forced upon us right now. I wanted to clarify that right there. Right, yeah. So, and, and Goldman Sachs is, uh, you know, partially, uh, they're an investment bank, and so they, they actually do, uh, they have a banking license, so they can print money out of thin air and lend it out. That's what banks in a fiat system like ours do. Uh, they print money out of thin air, and they, they earn interest on it. They have to pay the principal back to the central bank or you know, where it gets extinguished, and then they make the, the frost that comes out on top. So the entire business model is basically fraudulent. Um, and I'd like to make a couple points about money here since that was where the conversation started. You're talking about Ethereum as a store of value. Yes. Um, now, I want to make it clear that... Um, an industrial use of a commodity, whether digital or physical, is actually a weakness for uh, that asset's store value function. So if the, if, you, if the use case is that you want to have a money, for example, gold, the competition between gold as an industrial metal and gold as a money is a real negative for gold as a money. People like to... Oh, wait, Gabriel. That, I mean, for the value of your money. Yes. No, we lost you there for a yes. second. Like so 10, 10 that, um, that's my analogy is gold because um, Ethereum. Oh, man. Are you guys hearing him? Yeah, no, he's totally cutting <laughs> okay, out. Can you hear me now? Oh, now this, this, this is so contrary in what you're saying yeah. about gold. It's so the gold testing, bugs will be having testing. a heart attack now for, for, with that statement that you just said that the industrial use hurts it. Can, 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 you're, you're good now. Try it again. Oh, man. He's, you're, you're, at, you're, you're about to do the money shot and uh, it keeps on uh, giving out on us. All right. We, we, 
we'll, we'll, we'll quickly go to uh, another, an easy question for the other two guys since we're, we're getting to the end of the show. Miami Bitcoin conference is going on. Uh, do, do you think there'll be a, a happy Miami pump? And uh, what do you think the percentage of uh, women will be there? Will it be a 90% sausage fest or uh, 80% sausage fest? What, what, what's your prediction? Uh, Brian Jackatood. Um, as far as the happy pump, uh, I think it'd be a little, but I don't think it'll be crazy. Uh, like maybe, you know, get over 40 K. I, I don't think it's going to affect what's going to happen anyway, uh, that much. Uh, and as far as the percentage of women, I mean, based on what I've seen, uh, you know, I hope, I hope you guys can get close to 50, 50, but, uh, I think it's going to be more of a 90, 10, 80, 20 situation. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with those numbers and I'm warning the guys out there. And I, I said this on another show and this is a really serious thing. They're going to be, you know, 12,000 people there, 10,000 people, whatever. There are going to be scammers there. Some of them will be women. If a woman uh, wants to go back with you to the hotel, if she says, yo, yo, got hotel money, she might be taking all your money by the end of the night. She'd be taking your treasure. Be careful of that type of scammer out there, dudes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm safe like that. I know how to recognize. I value my wealth in Bitcoin, but a lot of dudes value there. There's going to be a true test out there. Do you value your wealth in women? Or do you value your wealth in Bitcoin? And some of these dudes are going to get scammed out of their bit. There's a real chance. There's a real chance. And hopefully it's peaceful. I mean, dude, be, be careful. Don't take rides with anyone you don't know. Like, you know, oh, yeah, that Russian guy is going to give me a nice ride in his uh, in his car down the street. Don't be careful, dudes. Uh, <laughs> predictions on your part there, uh, Phil, uh, on uh, uh, will there be a pump because of the, uh, because of the event? And... Uh, what, what, what percentage of women will be in attendance? So we we tried we tried today right uh, right before the event and got rejected off that thirty nine six level. Um, you know, to Brian's point, yeah, maybe we reach over forty. That'd be nice. You know, see some happiness. But I think we'll get quickly we'll get quickly pulled down. Uh, not because I I think you know uh, anything long term. I'm a long term bull. But I, I think that right now that's just the way the momentum is going. And in terms of a like in terms of the uh, the statistics, yeah, I, I think it's going to be an almost total sausage fest. Uh, and that's just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I look when I went to the MIT Bitcoin Expo back in 2019, um, the ratio was 90 10, and I just don't see. I you know I get that there's more hodlers out there and everything, but I still think that those ratios are going to be unfortunately very high. You know? Yeah, I, I know my buddy. Money's still uh, taboo. I know my buddy Frank in San Francisco and Gary in Seattle. They would like that ratio tomorrow, but that's well, their personal happy. business. Pound that. Anyway, all right. So, guys, let's uh, <laughs> let, let's uh, have your closing statements. Promote what you're doing. Any news that that was left out? Um, we'll, we'll start with Brian. Oh uh, yeah. I don't have any much news. I do want to make a comment. I think that Gabriel said uh, that maybe Powell in that article, Powell was saying, oh, these CBDCs are going to be real private. And it's just really funny to hear that right now when we're also simultaneously talking about realistically in, in, implementing vaccine passports in you know, half the world. Uh, so th they're not going to, they, they want to track your, your, your movement. They're not going to just suddenly make you this beautiful private uh, form of money for you. They're just not doing it. They're not going that way. Uh, as far as what I'm doing right now, uh, my firm is continuing. We, we, we started up our Bitcoin focus practice group uh, about two months ago, a month and a half ago, and we're rocking and rolling. And so if you guys ever need any legal advice in the Bitcoin world, you got a company in Bitcoin, 
uh, go go to the link below. My Twitter account has a link to my myself, my law firm. Uh, more than welcome to to jo join us and be happy to help you. All right, uh, don't worry. We're gonna get back to Gabriel, but Phil, your your closing remarks. Anything that was left out? Uh, no, I I'll just uh, I'll just do my shills. Uh, I do the uh, fun with Bitcoin podcast. You know, come and check me out on Twitter at Fun with Bitcoin or the uh, website funwithbitcoin.com. And we also do a uh, daily uh, YouTube channel. I'm a co-host of at Simply Bitcoin. So totally different than what Adam does. Totally, totally different. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So thank you very much, by the way, for having me on your show. This is totally amazing. Of course, best guest in the freaking space. I bring you every Friday, but this week it was Thursday because tomorrow's a pretty big day. And uh, Gabriel, you are back. I want you to continue what you were saying about gold and uh, its uh, industrial use versus uh, it being used as money. Excellent. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Great. So as I was saying, uh, you know, the gold as an industrial metal is an interference in gold as a store of value, gold as a money. And Ethereum suffers from the same problem. It's a gas used for a computation network. And that use case will always interfere with its use case as a store of value. Even if you build something on top of it, it will still suffer from this problem because the underlying asset will have volatility. And if you have, uh, you know, volatility and will cause problems in um, the vol volatility of of a of a industrial um, commodity will interfere with the workings of the industry. So it suffers on both sides. Mm -hmm. Having a coin as an industrial um, use case will not only interrupt the computational network, as has happened many times before with its um, with its you know uh, network slowing down and fees spiking, but uh, it'll also never become a store of value. And money is a winner-take-all technology. The best man wins, just like gold won in 1871, and it was only through a concerted manipulation effort that a uh, you know superior power was able to even put a dent in it uh, in the 20th century. Bitcoin is the winner who's going to take all and be the world's money. Not just the money for the internet, but for the world. All right. I love the contrarian take on gold. I don't think I've ever heard that that it, it explained that way. And it was great how you tied it into Ethereum also. That should get people's brains running right there, what you just said. Gabriel, we're at the end of the show. What are your you're gonna get the last word? What are your conclusionary remarks? What are you working on? The floor is yours. Let's see here. Well, first of all, just uh, you know, the shout out is uh, on Twitter. If you want to say hi, come follow me. I, you know, find cutesy things. I don't, you know, not super active, but uh, I like to shoot some tweets out. And uh, yeah, come come find me. I won't clog your feed too much. Um, and my my Twitter handle is at Gabriel Devine. The letter D V I N E. Um, conclusionary remarks. We're in the middle of a bull market again, Adam. Here we are eight years later. We've got five-figure Bitcoin. We bulls of the last 12 years are have been vindicated. The market has uh, crested over a trillion and pulled back a little. Just 
want to speak on this price action because for us old timers, it's a stunning turn of events. I mean, this was my, the, the price right now was my most bearish case for like very long term, like decades and decades. I was thinking, man, we've got to at least hit 30,000 eight years ago. And here we are already now. So it's really right on track as far as I'm concerned. And that goes for the very recent price action of April and May as well. Um, the run up through December, January, February was way too steep. Uh, it skipped over entire chunks of the price range. And um, so, you know, Bitcoin in a bull market will skip over small areas, but not like that. And so I've been hoping and uh, looking for the pullback before we go on the insane spike that will, you know, form the second half or, you know, last phase of this bull market. And I'm very, um, I'm extremely bullish on uh, the short term prospects for Bitcoin. My call since February has been $425,000 per Bitcoin uh, as the very peak of this cycle, possibly end of the year, this year. So October, November, December, 2021, very, very short period of time above, you know, 200,000, 300,000. We're talking maybe, maybe a few weeks at the most, if not days. Um, and I'm expecting another 90% pullback because we're seeing the same percentage action that we did 2013, 2017. So that's my call, uh, you know, jagged tooth teeth on the way up to 425 and a 90% drop back down to 68 or 75 or something to kick off the, the lovely bear market that will be somewhere around 100, maybe floating a little above it, just like the, um, what is that plan B, Dr. Flow model yeah. predicts? I, I think it's dead on. Well, I thank you as a long-term guy. You are, you've been around this space a long time since, I, I've been around since 2013, you longer than that, I guess, or something like that. Um, you just okay. put it in perspective. You're putting it in perspective for people. We are living a freaking dream, okay? That it crashed down to 37,000 when I was, uh, you know, buying for 200 in uh, 2015, or people telling me it's never getting back to 1100 after it got to 1100 in 2013. This is living the freaking dream. And if you valued your wealth in Bitcoin back then, you got a big old perm perma smile on your face that kind of looks like my perma smile, I guess. <laughs> I must have done the right thing. Anyway, it's, it's great you can put it in perspective. And yes, I, I expect, I, I said it earlier this year that we're going to crash down to 60,000 one day. You know, we were so happy when we got to 64. We're going to crash down to 64 one day, probably something like that. You said 100. There's probably, in, in the long term, you know, there's not that big of a difference between 64 and 100 if you've reached 300 or something. I mean, it's not that big. A anyway, dude, you, you left it on a very happy note. I, I do want to say that there, there is an article linked to below how blockchain, uh, they're a company that a lot of people don't like, but they, uh, they're they based in Europe and they relocated uh, one their, their United – they're going to rel re relocate their United States headquarters from New York to Florida. So we were talking about New York beforehand. We are talking about Florida beforehand. Um, you know, let the businesses choose, let the people choose. Um, the, the conference itself was supposed to be in California twice, and California couldn't get its act together. And now it moved to Florida, and what a success it already ha has been in terms of marketing, in terms of just getting people excited. Um, so I, uh, good job, Florida. Good job, Bitcoiners. I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to this channel. 
And, uh, you know, check it out. Pound it. Check me out on Twitter. I'm TechBot. I'm wearing my yarmulke now for the heck of it. I'm going to say Shabbat Shalom, even though it's uh, Shabbat doesn't start until <laughs> 24 hours. But everybody, have a great conference tomorrow. If you're at the conference and you see me, uh, I, I'm going to have my hair nice and fixed up. I'm about to take a shower. Please come say hi. You'll, you'll see that the dude that you're seeing right now uh, is the same guy that you'll meet in person, just as wild and a unique beast and full of energy. And I really, I love to meet you dudes in person. And I'm really excited about, you know, physically hugging the dudes that I've had on my show before. And you dudes, Brian, Gabriel, and Phil, I'm going to meet you guys one day too. We, we're we're going to meet in the future. we got long lives ahead of us. Pound that like button. See you, everybody, soon. Maybe I'll do us some live from the conference tomorrow again. Shabbat shalom. See you soon. Bye-bye, everybody. Peace. All right. Let me uh, add it on.